Hey everybody, this is Matt and welcome to another Overflow Pod. Now before I became a pastor, I worked for a company called MBNA and they were a credit card company and eventually got taken over by Bank of America. I worked first in the fraud department and then later in credit acquisition, which was my favorite because basically all they did was approve credit card applications. This was back in the 90s when people filled out applications it was actually an awesomely easing job. They wanted us to make about 20 decisions per hour and 25 plus would give you top performer. And the applications were in queues for the type of credit card because MBNA back then made credit cards based on interest groups. So your interest group would be on the cover of your credit card. So people would like their football team and their football team's logo will be on the front of their card and then they would use that card because it was associated with the team and they became very successful with that so we had cues for the types of credit cards and i noticed a pattern in regarding to the cues in the morning you had the applications with the highest credit rating because they were the best cues and typically people would take them first because they are easier to deal with than harder credit cards because they have a lower credit rating. Lower credit rating makes you look very more closely and it's much harder to decide on a credit card. So the queues were named after the credit card. So every morning, for example, the LL Bean credit card queue would be the first to be taken because people who bought LL Bean, they were a mail order company. I don't even know if they're still around, but very, they were very expensive and people usually only shop them if they had a lot of money and a high credit score. So their applications were simply amazing and you just had to decide how much on the card do you want to give them. It wasn't a fact of yes or no, it was how much you want to give them. So I worked really hard, really quick early in the morning to do at least 50 applications an hour. And by 10 o'clock, I was basically done for the day. And I would just sit back and take it easy and talk to people. And, and my boss at the time looked at me and she hated me, literally hated me from day one. I don't know what it was. We just did not click. She hated me. I hated her. And the first month I was in the department, she gave me the lowest rating, even though I still had the very best numbers out of the entire department on my first month there. The second month, she continued with the worst score, and I still had the best numbers. So I went to her boss and said, hey, I got a problem with the manager. Could someone else do my review for the next four months? So the next four months, I was top performer of the department. Now, I did not handle that situation well. I was very immature, sarcastic. I was a brat who treated my boss like crap. But she was a horrendous boss as well. And looking back, I wish I handled the whole situation better because I was an absolute piece of garbage. But every one of us has a bad boss. It's inevitable. So how do you deal with a bad boss? That's what we're going to look at today. Hopefully not like I did in my first job out of college. You ever have that one that won't listen to you or over talks you? The boss that has an agenda and doesn't matter what you say or tell them? Or maybe they ask you to do something that violates your conscience. How do you say no? How do you make an appeal to a bad decision by your boss? There are many, many examples in the Bible of this very situation, this test. And you're going to have this test throughout your whole life. Because you're going to deal with bad bosses constantly or bad situations. 
See, lots of people even in the Bible had it. And many of them had to come up with a good appeal. Queen Esther comes to mind. She had to appeal to the king. If it went wrong, off with her head. Joseph, same way, made an appeal to Pharaoh. Paul in the Bible makes appeal to pagan Roman government officials as he was doing his missionary work through the Roman Empire. And Daniel does as well. He makes an appeal on a bad decision. So how do you make a case to authority? You need to know this skill that I'm about to teach you because you're going to have to use it maybe with your boss, your employer, or maybe with somebody else. And I wish someone taught me this when I was younger. It could have helped me avoid a lot of trouble. So you may have to use it with the government. How do you make an appeal to law enforcement? How do you make an appeal to a teacher who asks you to do an assignment in school that you really can't do? How do you make an appeal? Because as our society gets more secular and more anti-Christian, people need to know how to make an appeal to an authority. And we're going to be super practical in this pod. We're going to figure out how do we deal with a bad boss. And here's what we do. Six things. Six things that we need to do that Daniel modeled for us that if we can copy, we'll be able to handle any situation, any boss. Number one, first thing you got to do is you develop a reputation for responsibility. Now, you have to do this before you open your mouth, before you ask for anything different, before you appeal anything. You need to develop a reputation for responsibility. See, the chief officer had great respect for Daniel. Why? Because evidently, even as a 15-year-old kid, Daniel stood out for his good attitude, his responsibility, his consistency, his loyalty, and any other positive character qualities. Proverbs 22, 29 says, do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. This literally happened with Daniel. If you do your job well, leaders will notice you and you'll serve before kings. People with great responsibility or leaders notice people who are responsible because they understand how important responsibility is. If you go to work and you're a slacker, and you take time off all the time, and if you leave early and you take longer lunch breaks and you use up office resources, and you talk on the phone and play solitaire on your computer and you're just a general slacker, if someone comes along and says, you know what, I want you to do this, and you say, I can't because I'm a Christian. Wrong answer, buddy. They're not going to pay any attention to you at all because you didn't build up your reputation. You're nothing. If, on the other hand, you're the best employee, you're the most responsible, you're the most consistent, you're the hardest worker, and you say, hey, I can't do this, they're going to go, oh, why? What's wrong? They're going to listen. See, the starting point to any appeal or to appeal to any bad boss is you have to develop a good track record. So before you do anything, develop a good track record as a reputation for responsibility. Second thing you got to do, you got to be humble, not quarrelsome. Daniel is not quarrelsome. Once he's told this new law, he's got to eat this food and he doesn't make a sign that says, I'm not going to eat. I won't eat. Down with meat. <laughs> and protesting around the courthouse. I'm not eating. It's bad. He's not turning this into a national situation. He's not rebelling. He's not hardening the attitudes of people around him. He's humbly going behind the scenes saying, hey, can we work this out? Proverbs 25, 6 says, do not exalt yourself in the king's presence and do not claim a place among his great men. 
I watched a great movie called Selma. And the movie was about Martin Luther King. And Dr. King tried to be low-key, and he talked with the president. And the president basically wanted Martin Luther King to stop doing some stuff. And Dr. King was like, no, this is my whole mission in life. Uh, no way. And he refused. But he refused in a private setting, quietly, with, re with respect. And you know what? The president respected him. And in the movie, the people who worked with the president didn't care so much for, for Dr. King, but the president did. Now, Dr. King knew how to get his point across. When he did that walk, it was amazing protest. Now, a few years ago, people were protesting a great injustice. The problem was is violence accompanied the protest. So no matter how justified the cause was, violence and destruction will undermine the message. And the people you're trying to change will only focus on the negative. See, the people who are on the fence are already with you. They're going to be like, okay, I understand the violence. It's so bad. You just can't help it. I get it. But the people that you want to impact, the bad bosses out there, the bad people in charge, the people who make the bad laws, they're not going to listen to you because all they focus on is the negative, the violence. And it was sad because when all those protests were happening, nothing really changed. And a lot of that, I believe, was because of the way it happened. Be humble, not quarrelsome. There's a way to do it that gets your point across. Number three, don't be deceptive or manipulative. If you've got a case to make with the government, with the IRS, with your boss, with the teacher, anybody, you go, I'm sorry, I just can't do this. It's against my conscience. It violates my beliefs. Can't lie about it. And if you try to strengthen your case by being deceptive or manipulative or deceitful, God does not honor dishonesty. So if you lie, you know what? God says, you're on your own, pal. You don't have my defense. I'm not going to try to help you out in this situation because you're lying about it. So don't try to strengthen your case against something or your appeal with deception. 2 Corinthians 4.2 says, We have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. I learned this really well when I was 20 years old. I was in college and I was broke and I was in the middle of a lawsuit because I was in a motorcycle accident and I was going to get money from the other people, but it was going to take some time. And so I went to my new stepfather, who I did not know who I've only met at their wedding, and that was two years earlier. And I went up to the guy. I said, Phil, I got a problem. And I was completely honest with him. And I said, I need over $6,000. And this was back in 1990-something. So it was, it was a lot of money to give a 20-year-old. And I said, I need it for this. I need it for education. I need it for my car, blah, 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 blah. And I listed out what I needed for it. And I said, this is what I need. And this is when I can pay you back. And I explained it to him. And I got done talking. I did not distort the truth. I was not deceptive. I was not manipulative. I just laid out my case. And I said, may I borrow some money? And he looked at me and he said, yes. Wrote out the check right in front of me, handed it to me. 
And he goes, you're going to be a great man. And I just looked at him. I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> and he goes, you didn't lie to me. You didn't distort it. You just told me like it is. I respect that. And he just clapped me on the shoulder and he goes, here, have a beer. And now I was only 20. And my mom was like, get that beer out of his hands. And it was, it was kind of funny. He goes, fine, I'll cook you a steak. He had this thing. He liked to cook steaks and give beer out to people. So I had a good steak. I didn't get the beer. But anyway, you know, don't be deceptive or manipulative when you got to make an appeal. Just do it. Just tell the truth. Fourth thing you got to do, appeal to their goal and interest. This is exactly what Daniel does. And he's very wise in doing this. Daniel goes to the official. You know what? I think we have the same goal here. Let's try to go about it in a different way. You want me to eat this food because the king thinks it'll make me more healthy. I don't have a problem with that. I agree with that. I want to be healthy. In fact, I want to be healthier more than you and the king do. I value my health. So we don't have a problem with the ultimate goal. We're just disagreeing on how to get to that goal. So you want me to be healthy. So let's talk about this. Why don't we try a 10-day test? Can you go with me that far? Can you make that step? 10-day test and see if it'll work this way. If it works, great. You got, you got the W. I got the W. We win. We all win. And you know what? I'm going to eat the foods that I'm used to eating, like vegetables and fruits. And you can keep your meats and sauces. And we'll see who's healthier after 10 days. And Daniel did it. I wish Christians in politics would understand this principle. You don't get your way by pressing people and creating wars over it, by forcing people into your opinion. You appeal to their goals and interest. Everybody wants what's best for people, mostly. And there are creative ways to handle situations at work by starting with their goals and interest. You deal with the bad boss by saying, hey, I want you to meet this goal as well. But I think it can be met this way. What do you think? Let's, let's give it a shot. There's a way to appeal to their goals and interests that you can deal with a bad boss versus just saying, no, we need to do it. This is wrong. That's not how you do it. Number five, fifth thing you got to do, choose the right place, time, and words. Oh, this is going to be applied to so many different situations. What's the right place? Always, here's the right place. This is always the answer, privately. You don't get authorities to change by confronting them publicly and standing on the courthouse steps. All you do is solidify their opposition. You make them mad. They can't lose face. They can't back down. But if you go back and in a humble and simple way, can we work this out? privately. You confront, you make a case, you make your appeal to the authority, any authority in your life, you do it privately. By the way, if you're a young teenager, you want to go out this weekend and your parents say, no, you need to use these laws. Make a case to your parents. And you do, I even tell my kids this. I want them to learn about this. They, even if they use it against me, you do it at the right time. Don't lobby your parents when they're tired or they had a bad day or they're frustrated or they haven't eaten yet. Wait until the glucose goes up in the body and they're a little more relaxed. That's the right time and the wrong time to bring up an issue with your husband or your wife or anybody else. Got to pick the right time. And then the right words means you should do it in a polite and pleasant way. Let me show you a verse. Proverbs 16, 21. A wise, mature person is known for his understanding the more pleasant his words, the more persuasive he is. See, here's the lesson. I am never persuasive when I am abrasive. Another lesson I wish I could teach 
to these politicians on both sides of the aisle. You don't build yourself up by tearing other people down. I tell this to my kids all the time. You're never persuasive when you're abrasive. If you've got an arrow to shoot, dip it in honey. At least it'll be sweet. It's going to sting a little bit. So be sweet. Catch more flies with honey than vinegar. That's how it is. You're never persuasive when you're abrasive. Number six, trust God if they reject your appeal. In this case, Daniel's appeal worked. But if your appeal doesn't work and you've appealed to your boss, I can't do this, then you got to hold on to the promise in Romans 8, verse 28, which says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Not everything good is in the world. There are bad leaders in the world. There are bad laws in the world. There are bad policies in the world. There are bad people everywhere. But God says I can even use that for your good in your life if you will trust me. See, all things work together, even the bad stuff. It's not good, but God will work it for good. Daniel does all the right things in making his appeal. And as a result, he gets the exemption. He doesn't have to violate his conscience. Remember, he was only 15. He's taking on the most powerful man in the world. He's challenging that guy. Where in the world did a teenager like that get that wisdom, get that kind of grace, that kind of courage, and that kind of discipline at that young age? What gave Daniel the courage to stand alone and not to conform to the values of the society around him? What gave him the courage? Daniel lived in a close relationship with God. Daniel walked with God. He knew God as his friend. He had God's presence in his life. He had God's promises in his heart. And he had God's power in his spirit. He had God's people around him. He had God's protection. He was just fearless. When you have to confront an authority in your life, it's going to happen in your life at some point if it hasn't already happened. You're going to have to make a moral stand. Remember these four things. Number one, I have Jesus with me. Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Remember if he asked you, remember if you asked him to forgive you of your sins, he did. He paid for them on the cross. They're gone past, present, and future. Puts his Holy Spirit inside of you so you're not alone. He helps you every day. He adopts you into his family. He treats you as a son or daughter. So you're never, ever completely alone. You may feel alone in the moment, but you're not. Jesus is with you. Second, you have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, which means you have an unfair advantage because you have God's spirit in you and your carnal boss does not. So you have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And so... You got Jesus with you, the Holy Spirit with you. And third, you have the promises of God. And you can claim those promises when you go through tough times. And not only that, number four, you have God's family around you. I have brothers and sisters who are praying for me. And as the culture becomes more secular, more hostile to people of faith, more unbiblical and anti-Christian values, the pressure on you to conform is going to go up and up and up, not to go down. How you respond is going to determine how much God is able to bless you in your life. So if you're currently dealing with a bad boss, there is hope. You can deal with it. Well, I hope that encourages you today. God bless, and I'll see you in the next pod.